0: This podcast replay is brought to you by Welton Rayom. Call for a free consultation, 954-966-4646. At Welton Rayom, they don't get paid unless you win. Welton Rayom handles property damage claims due to a hurricane. Welton Rayom can help, 954-966-4646. A ride,
1: a ride, a ride. How you feeling, baby? You feeling good? Doing well coming off Super Bowl Sunday. It was a, a very entertaining game. Uh got a full overtime after the uh after the regulation. So a lot of extra football. That was fun.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah. It was uh it was kind of a slow game. Yeah. You know, kind of started kind of slow. And then obviously, as time ran out, the drama built because it was such a tight game at that point. And then that's when you know everything took another turn. So it was uh it was cool to see but um it just shows you also that you know Mahomes is as special as it gets to and that's that that doesn't matter Tyreek is sitting here watching them win two super bowls without him you know what i mean and that's got to be a little bit of a bitch for him i know he he played it off on on social media over the weekend but uh that's that's the most important player in and I'm not breaking any news here, or enlightening anybody. Everybody knows that the dude that touches the ball on every single down is the most important. And when you've got that guy, every, you have a chance every single time, dude. He's just yeah. amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible when uh, a talent like Tyreek Hill, who um, by, by and large can be considered the greatest at his position and uh, last couple of years, I mean, especially this past year, 1799 was the league's leading receiver. He goes to another team. Uh, record-breaking contract and then that former team is still able to replenish uh, what it needs even if it struggles at that position with the wide receiver struggles that they had throughout the year they put it together as the season goes and when you have a guy like number 15 Patrick Mahomes back there he's able to make up for whatever deficiencies you have on this team and just somehow put it together and they end up winning the Super Bowl after all the struggles throughout the year when uh, and and underdogs is three on three different occasions throughout the postseason run and uh, to win it this, this one's the most remarkable for him
0: yeah yeah no that, you know if you think about it i talked about this earlier the game mirrored the Kansas City season the Kansas City season started with all kinds of turmoil their offense was shot to shit Receivers were dropping balls left and right. Mahomes was frustrated. They were making mistakes. They were shooting themselves in the foot. And then they got the wake-up call against the Raiders, and then it kind of turned around for them, and they started winning games and started getting it done. And and the game yesterday was the same thing. It started with all kinds of turmoil. They were making all kinds of mistakes. They had to have an offensive and a defensive team meetings, you know, to kind of straighten all this shit out. You got Kelsey freaking yeah. out on, on Andy Reid on the sidelines, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's 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 interesting how the game mirrored the Kansas City season, that it all started in turmoil and then it kind of ended up
1: well. And they always are coming from behind. Uh, both times against the 49ers have had a 10-point deficit. This one a lot earlier in the game. It was uh, it was only in the first half, 10-0, uh, so still a lot of football left to be played. But last time when it was in Miami, when uh, it was this background that I have, it's from that game, it, uh, uh, when last time the Super Bowl was in Miami, the, the one that, I've, that I have covered, they were down uh, by 10, In I think it was in the fourth quarter, early in the fourth quarter already, uh, when, uh, when the Patrick Mahomes had that deep third down play to Tyreek Hill that got them rolling and Jimmy G missed a, a receiver uh, open deep when he had a chance to, to put it away. Uh, and then I even think about like, uh, like when they had that game against the Texans in the AFC divisional round where they were down big early at Arrowhead and they had to come back, uh, you know, the Deshaun Watson Texans in like in 2019 uh, on that Super Bowl run. So, I mean, yeah, th- these are, uh, come from behind type of cats and, uh, They've, uh, they've done it multiple times and uh, now a couple times in the Super Bowl.
0: By the way, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, the chat board while you're talking, and i got to give Sal, I think it is, a little love because I'll, I'll rip you when you're saying something stupid, but I'm going to give you plenty of love when you deserve it. Uh, Sal put it, and he put it beautifully, every QB is a system QB, but the great ones thrive when the system breaks down. Mm. Way to go, Sal. Way to go. That's a beautiful it, quote. That is that's, a, that's, that's a, exactly because cool. I was somebody was telling me that oh purdy's a system QB. Everybody's a system QB, dude. It's just every player is a system QB, a system player. They can't play in every system. Now, do we have freaks that can do anything? George Kittle can play in any system. Yeah, yeah, you know, no, Mahomes can play in any system. You want to make him a running/slash passing QB? He can do that. You want to make him a pure pocket passer? He can do that. But that's that's the fun that's the fun part, and that's why when I read that from Sal, you know, I I, I wanted to bring it up because I know I'm going to forget it, and a whole bunch of them will come in when we're done. But it's just funny how people use that lazy line of system. When brother, everybody, that's kind of what the coach in the front office have to do. They have to look at you at a play as a player, and before they draft you, they have to say, "Oh, okay, yeah, you fit our scheme." You fit our system. Oh, you don't. And I gave the Jamar Fletcher example as a perfect one. You drafted a zone corner for a man-on-man scheme. Oh, I wonder why he failed. (laughs) I wonder. You know what I mean? Was it Jamar Fletcher's fault? Actually, it wasn't. Because he became a serviceable backup uh, zone corner. Okay? He wasn't really a, a starter, but he would... Play backup for a couple teams for a few years, and so at least he found a home where he belonged, and that's what I think people need to understand that in football, everybody
1: pretty much is is part of one kind of system or another. Yeah, and Jamar Fletcher drafted into the Dolphin system instead of uh, Drew Brees, of course. Uh, so yeah, everyone plays it in in a certain system, and I think uh, what well, yeah, well, it, it's sort of how people want to describe it when they say, okay, I don't think the player is as good as what we're seeing, but that the system brings the best out of him. But to your point, that's the whole uh, dynamic of a coach and a GM and uh, everyone just trying to work together in unison to uh, put the players that they bring in their personnel into the right system at the end of the day. So, uh, yeah, then that means, okay, everyone's doing their job, right, because you're drafting the right guys for what you're implementing on the field. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's – I get what people are saying when they say it, but it's not like it's a knock on, on anyone. It shouldn't be uh, just because. I think, yeah, just yeah, that's where you people. nailed it. Dude, yes. that's where
0: you're nailing it. They're using it as an insult. And right. actually, it's not an insult. You're actually misusing the word. And that's the problem, that the person using it is not using it in the proper definition of it and that instead they're using it as some kind of an insult when you, you couldn't have Montana play Marino's offense it just that's not who Montana was Montana needed the west coast spreading it out a lot of running game all those kind of things if if he had to you know drop back 45 times with no running game i don't know if joe's the same quarterback because that's not the system that you want to put him in. You know what I'm saying? Just like you don't want to put Tua Tungavailua in Lamar Jackson's system because there's no way he can do anything like Lamar Jackson because nobody can do what Lamar Jackson does with the football running around. You know what I mean? So it's everybody's got a system that they fit in. And then, you know, there are a couple of those freaks that
1: can play in any system. But really, those are very few players that actually can do it. Yeah, yeah. I was actually going to get to. to that. I was starting right at, before you got to it. I was thinking we were on the same wavelength there. To a tongue of Iloa and in, in his system, Brock Purdy in a similar, the similar that Kyle Shanahan offense, uh, same that Mike McDaniel came from. So, Jackson, uh, similar ways, and then uh, a lot of people use uh, Lamar right, Jackson.
0: Yeah, right.
1: yeah. And I'm getting to. It. He he could
0: never do what Purdy does,
1: ever. ever. Yeah, yeah a lot of people want to say, okay, well, Tua or Brock Purdy or whoever you want to say, any one that you want to call a game manager, a system quarterback, et cetera, et cetera, then, oh, well, they can't. If you put them in Josh Allen's Buffalo Bills uh, offense, they're not going to do the same thing. If you put them in Lamar Jackson's uh, Baltimore Ravens offense, they're not going to do the same thing. But Justin Herbert, whoever you want to say, well, yeah, you're not asking them to do those same things. And those are different quarterbacks with different skill sets that that's why, those offenses cater to what their skills are. Where okay, yeah, even Josh Allen, yeah, I mean, he's otherworldly with his arm, te- his, his arm strength, and then his uh, his running ability, and uh, and the things he does. Well, then if you ask him to do some of the same things Tua does, he probably turns the ball over, uh, at, at a high rate. Like we I'm already do brought,
0: I'm glad you brought up Josh Allen. I am glad you brought up Josh Allen because Ken Dorsey. Change the system on Josh Allen. And how did that work out, my friend? It didn't. Right. right. He played like shit. Why? Because you were trying to make him more of a pocket passer. And guess what Josh Allen isn't? He's not a pot. He can pass from the pocket, but you've got to use his legs. And that's yeah. what Dable was doing. And that's what Joe Brady went back to. yeah and Again, systems. It's not a knock for those of you out there. It's actually a def- a definition for each player. What system do they belong in? Where do they excel? Because they're not going to excel in some other places. You know what I mean? It's just the way it is. If you're going to use Mostert as a hammer, brother, you're, he's not going to last a month. You know what I'm saying? But if you're going to use him on an outzi- outside outside zone like, and you're only going to give him 15, 17 carries, now all of a sudden he fits that. He fits what you what you can, you want to do with him, but he's not a, a pounded every down back. That's not really what you want to do where he where he moster.
1: And at the end of the day, you're going to be judged by your career in the systems that you played in. Exactly. It's not like you know, no no one got into the Hall of Fame by okay, well he did this, but he could have also even done more if he was in another system. It's you're judged by what you do in the offense that you're in, and the, or if you're a defensive player and defense you're in. and uh, and just the fit that you are for that team. So ultimately that's how you're going to be judged and how your career is going to go.
0: All right, doggy. I mean, Brian Duker in. Um, Let's see. We got Madison out. We got uh, Mike Judge, Colby Smith, Ricardo Allen, Joe Casper, Kenny Baker, Brendan Farrell, uh, Campanelli, Ronaldo Hill, Uh, So it looks like uh, some changes on offense because obviously they brought in the the guy from Hawaii to be – he's also kind of an O-line coach, which I thought that was very interesting, uh, Sapolo. Uh, But what would you think of some of the changes that the uh, new defensive coordinator is making?
1: Yeah, interesting. So now – oh, yeah, Ronaldo Hill. I I don't know if you uh, uh, named him. uh, So (laughs) – uh, yeah, so Ronaldo Hill out along with so that's what uh, that's Duker's position now is that secondary coach and pass game coordinator. So uh, now he's in the, this is a promotion for him. Uh, he was just DB's coach for the Detroit Lions, uh, and uh, Weaver goes back uh, with him to uh, to actually uh, 2015 with the Cleveland Browns. So sort of the uh, Weaver's two-year stint Cleveland Browns defensive line coach 2014. Mike McDaniel was on that staff. He, that ends up being that connection. And then the next year, McDaniel's not there anymore. He's with Atlanta, but then uh, Duker is a, a defensive intern on uh, that staff uh, with Weaver. So interesting how that comes almost a, a full decade later. So uh, that's the connection there. So uh, a big jump for him. And then, yeah, I mean, beloved Sam Madison uh, n- uh, no longer around. So. Um, he already had sort of like a, it was a slight demotion last year when Ronaldo Hill came in and he was that secondary coach pass game coordinator. So uh, Madison was just a cornerbacks coach at that point. And then he had the pass game specialist uh, title along with it. But um, and then uh, now Madison out. So uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I don't know much about Duker. We are going to uh, hear from uh, Weaver this week. Uh, so uh, we'll finally get introduced to him and uh, that'll be a good time to ask him. Uh, really nail down the scheme that he wants to, which we've talked about here. It's also going to come down to the players and how the personnel uh, ends up shaping out throughout he the, out the out That day, when you guys ask him, What's the,
0: prediction, <laughs> the prediction is, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna adjust and we're gonna do things depending on what personnel we have and who we're facing." And he's going to give you that general bullshit question because. There's no way he's going to tell you and and define who he's going to.
1: I just don't see that. Yeah, but you can get some general ideology uh, out of a guy, uh, especially when when his one stint as as a defensive coordinator uh, it was a very aggressive defense, and then now he's been uh, on uh, more of the opposite uh, in recent years uh, in Baltimore. So under Mike McDonald, at least. So um, you know we know Wink Martindale. He was uh, he was more blitz heavy, like him. Uh, so yeah w- where does his ideology in general whether it's blitz rate the man versus zone the high, single high safety the uh, uh, two high safety looks all those things and um, I don't know how specific he'll get but uh, we might get some general uh, philosophical uh, ideas out of him last year we did I mean we know Vic Fangio who he is but you know you had some quotes out of him like as far as the blitz rate we knew it was going to be different from Josh Boyer the year before and he said yeah you know i, I prefer to dictate one wee blitz as opposed to doing it out of necessity. So there's some things you, you get out of that uh, first introductory press conference with the quarter well with
0: Fangio's is different because you have a track record of yeah. you know, decades of, of doing it. This guy's new at this. Yeah. And so and, okay. and he's inheriting a new team. And so that's one thing that I'd like to see how he handles it because usually when you inherit you're not going to get everybody you really need first for you know in your first shot. So it'll be interesting to see how he plays, you know, certain guys. Yeah. You know, it it is – it's kind of sad to see Sam Madison go. Yeah. I got to tell you. Yeah, Uh, but it it
1: seems clear he's not shy about uh, implementing what he wants, uh, the guys that he wants to bring in. uh, Because, yeah, even, like, guys who were beloved from – whether it's Sam Madison, the previous staff, and, uh, you know, Anthony Campanelli, now who was up for the defensive coordinator job as an internal candidate two years running – then uh you know now he's gone so uh you know clearly and maybe that's on on him as well on campanelli just seeing okay two straight years I'm not able to move up within this franchise let me go somewhere else that could have been part of it as well so now probably is very understanding when it's Vic Fangio a guy who has entered Miami with 19 years as defensive coordinator and three years as a head coach on and on and that resume but then maybe that next time when the position comes up and then it's another uh, young up-and-coming coach that's uh, around his same age. And, um, you know, I could see how at that point uh, as an assistant coach, you're like, man, I got to, uh, you know, find my uh, my happiness elsewhere. Yep. Uh, so, David Faronis,
0: who covers the Miami Dolphins on a daily basis, the first
1: move in free agency will be what? First move in free agency. Let's see, well – if it's not going to be Christian Wilkins, because we've already on this program to move past that, you've made it clear <laughs> he's not coming back. Right? No. Uh, yeah. Then uh, I mean, I would prioritize uh, Robert Hunt. I think he's going to be one of the top guards in, in this league. So I would like to have him back, especially, but I mean, that would make you a great right side of the line for years to come. Since you already have uh, Austin Jackson, there uh, solidified for three, uh, the next three years, If you get Rob Hunt in, in the fold. Uh, he's got fewer questions right now. He did have the hamstring injury late last season, but coming back from that, right, it's not an ACL injury like Connor Williams has. And then, you know, Teron Armstead on the left side is getting up there in age, and he's even contemplating retirement. I think he'll be back. But um, I, I feel like that would be uh, the, the uh, top priority is uh, keep something that you already have strong, and then uh, you'll free up some money if, uh, if Christian Wilkins indeed is gone. And uh, with uh, the restructures and other things you can do, Uh, So that, that might be, might end up being the, the biggest, uh, maybe free agency move, but maybe there's a big trade or something that can be pulled off. Uh, You know, you know how these things develop. It's just no one was predicting Jalen Ramsey at the same time last year. No one was predicting Tyreek Hill at the same time, two years ago. So uh, things just pop up. So uh, it'll be really exciting.
0: Yeah. Greer McKenzie and Allen are always, uh, they're always working. it. so you, you never know what those guys are up to and, who they're talking to right now yeah. Uh, about maybe a free agent that could become available. But I love your thinking on the Rob Hunt thing. I think Rob is one of those guys that definitely gets re-signed and you definitely need him. Uh, and he's a guy you can build on for years to come. He's been a really, really good find, man. I've been really impressed with him uh, overall with
1: Rob and, Hunt. And it almost becomes kind of a decision between uh, Rob Hunt and Christian Wilkins because if you're not using those funds on Wilkins, <laughs> Then I mean, make sure you bring Rob Hunt back. You don't want uh, a a lot of your better players from the previous years uh, leaving your your program, especially when you're in this win now window. Uh, especially if and if you're not uh, uh, replenishing that talent with uh, other top tier talent, because they're going to be strapped uh, for cash as well. So yeah, I mean, uh, it almost it, it's kind of like you're not going to let both of those guys go. Uh, and then if we're deciding, yeah, Christian Wilkins might have priced himself out, then Rob Hunt becomes – already was a priority, but becomes, like, really priority 1A. All
0: right, what do you got going on the Sun Sentinel so folks can check you out, my friends?
1: Yeah, just tracking any news. Um, uh, and uh, Anthony Weaver, press conference this week, so uh, I'll be uh, – we'll be introduced to uh, to him. And uh, so uh, I'll be uh, covering all of that this week.
0: All right, follow him on Twitter at DavidFaronis underscore – and, of course, call my friends at Welt and Realm, Jeff Welt. He is a stud. He's happy right now. Jeff Welt is happy because he's got a lot of Bitcoin, and he sees it going up to 49000 He's happy. But, listen, if you got some issues, bankruptcy, homeowner property damage, condo damage, criminal defense, business owner claims, commercial litigation, personal injury, and Jeff is awesome. He loves his music. So you can talk music with him and crypto if you want. Welt and Rayom, baby, 954-966-4646. David, appreciate you, my man. We'll catch up later on the week. Yes, sir. Thank you. Sir, you got it. Welt and Rayom, Miami Dolphins, report. This podcast replay is brought to you by Welt and Rayom. Call for a free consultation, 954-966-4646. At Welt and Rayom, they don't get paid unless you win. Welton Rayom handles property damage claims due to a hurricane. Welton Rayom can help. 954 966 4646 There he is, locked and loaded and ready to go. How you feeling, my man? You feeling good?
1: Yeah, feeling good. Uh it was cool to to um get to know Anthony Weaver today and um I can tell you you, you can tell uh, why he's a guy that's up for head coaching jobs and he was yeah. he just presents ah. himself very well so you really get that sense of of, of why and who he is yeah the presence
0: uh, yeah. R- right away the intelligence on how he approaches things it's not so um neanderthal coach like you know what i'm talking about you know what i'm saying What are you talking about? Uh, No, no, I'm not specific. I'm saying in general, (laughs) there are some coaches that are just about rah-rah and intensity. All this. There's an intelligent approach to him, you know, that I really liked uh, overall. Again, to me, by the way, this will be a third year in a row, and I probably won't have a problem with him either. My problem's more on the offensive side. It's not the defense anyway when it's all said and done. But one of the things, and as I told you, he's not going to tell you what kind of defense you're going to play. He just kept it very general and all that kind of stuff. But I love that he's going to stay multiple with Jalen Ramsey and all of that. And I think that's very important. To me, the fact that he didn't sell, oh, no, but I have a scheme and then we'll get everybody a fit. No, he talked more about adjusting to everything that has to go on, whether it's in a game or your talent or whatever it is. That's one of the things I did like, that it looked like it was an open approach to how he's going to defend.
1: Yeah, that was one thing that I know you were really hoping for. I think a lot of fans... We're really hoping for that. He was gonna be wanted to be multiple, wanted to be flexible. Uh, he said that what the Ravens were doing under Mike McDonald will be at the foundation of of what he will do as defensive coordinator. So I think what, when I talked about just getting some answers, that's more so what I was looking for is just something the foundation. Is he gonna be more like the aggressive style when he ran his own defense in 2020 with the Texans, or is it gonna be more of uh, the, the two high safeties like he has had under Mike McDonald with the Ravens? and not not so much like what Wake Martindale did over there. Uh, so I, I think he, we got that answer, but then that he will also be flexible. Uh, so maybe he's willing to be versatile with his blitz rate. He talked a little bit about that that uh, it's not to be reckless with it. He's been under both systems, the guys that just blitz all the time or uh, the guys that take a a very metered approach to it. So I think they'll still be sort of in line with what uh, they were already doing. So some of the continuity is there, but just more open to being flexible, which is what you want to see out of a guy. And especially with Jalen Ramsey, I know that had to be music to everyone's ears. Yeah, yeah. he is willing to move him around. He doesn't want to just keep him on one side, that that's going to be a disservice to him. So uh, he really opposed what uh, Vic Fangio was doing just last year with him, uh, which is uh, is something that you like to hear.
0: And by the way, speaking of the ogre, uh, Vic Fangio, um, the other thing that I loved about Anthony Weaver, you guys asked him, will he be in the booth or will he be in the sidelines? And when his uh, his answer about talking on the sidelines, I'm not a booth guy. Uh, and, and when I'm listening to him, okay, because that's the part that's super impressive about Anthony Weaver is listening to him is that you want that on the sidelines. Why? Because he's a communicator and apparently, you know, the old, the old geezer isn't that much of a communicator. He's just kind of an ogre. That's going to tell you what to do and doesn't really necessarily care about what you have to say about it. Whereas Anthony Weaver is going to communicate with guys. He's going to tell them what he wants, but he's probably also going to listen to it at the same time to then correct that or enforce some of that and say reinforce some of that stuff. You know what I'm saying? But I really love the approach and that's because he has the personality and the communication <coughs> skills to keep it downstairs. I like that
1: right and he said he needs to feel what's going on in the game yeah. so like you said he, he's not it's not like you're coaching on, on Madden where you just uh, you, you got your players and you 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 have them doing this and that you you pick a play and then and you just watch it unfold now i mean coaches that, that are upstairs they have their reasons like you know big fanjo he wants to get the all 22 view of things and but uh, it, it just speaks to the different style of coach that uh, he is uh, collaborative in that sense that he's getting the feel for what the players are seeing, getting it in real time. So it's not like it takes an extra layer of communication with say under Fangio, um, a linebackers coach, Anthony Campanelli would have to tell him something that he's seeing, get it upstairs to Vic Fangio. And then Vic Fangio makes an adjustment based off of that. You know, it's his own observation that he's seeing in his players. He could hear it from his players. He could take that information and then make uh, on the spot adjustments based on whatever needs to be done, whatever he feels needs to be done. So Uh, Yeah, I mean, different coaches have their reasons for their different styles, but um, uh, yeah, I I like that he he is in tune with what's uh, what's going on and gets that feel for it.
0: He's a communicator, bro, and that's kind of what they want on this staff. You know what I mean? And, you know, the old man was probably set in his ways and wasn't the same, wasn't as communicative, communicative. Or wasn't, let's say, uh, wasn't uh, jiving well with the rest of the staff. You know what I mean? So now you've got a guy that these two can relate to each other. You know, and I always tell—I've told this story many times over because fans and sometimes media mistaken this about a coach. And oh well, dude, he's been fired six times. He's been in all these teams. Yeah, dude, you're looking at it the wrong way. They keep hiring because they like him. He's not the problem where they got fired. You know, more often than not, a lot of people end up going with, you know, staff changes and you end up losing your job because you're part of a staff change. Yeah, every once in a while it'll be individually, you know, uh, the Steve Wilkes situation, which I think was completely unfair. But, you know, sometimes that's going to happen. Okay, fine. But a lot of times you're going to be part of an entire staff that you're let go and you change. And we had terrible experiences with two guys that had never been fired and that was Joe Philbin and Brian Flores. Why? They were hired by one franchise and they were only working in one franchise. So they knew nobody. And that coach that has bounced around all over, like McDaniel, like Weaver, like others, like Bevel, those are your best coaches. Those are the coaches that get to know other systems, other players, uh, you know, other ways of doing things. And that's how they become better coaches. The guy that's stuck in only the Patriot way or the Packer way, that may not fly for him because he hasn't learned from other people because there's more to it. You know what I mean? And then the other thing is when you hire those kind of guys, they can't find other options. Here's McDaniel. He found the guy, uh, what was it? 2009 was the last time that these two guys worked. That's 15 years ago, dude. You know, that's. This is why you want these kind of coaches. The ones that have bounced around, they are actually and usually your best coaches.
1: Yeah. And the turnover rate in the NFL is so high anyway, where, like you said, just because he's bounced around different places, that doesn't mean he was at fault in in any place. It's just, all right, somewhere along the line, whether it's a head coach, which a lot of them just last three, maybe four seasons in a spot, it's not working out, they kick you to the curb, they move on, and then there's a trickle-down effect of every position beyond that. And then the same thing goes with coordinators. Some of them might be going to a promotion. Some of them might be, uh, yeah, some of them might be fired. But then it's a trickle down of okay, someone might have uh, their position, like him coaching D line somewhere, uh, all doing the right things, but then it, other parts of the defense didn't work out, whatever the case may be, and someone was let go and then now the next guy isn't going to retain him. Like, it's not like every single coach that the Dolphins had that's not being retained is at fault. It's just there's been a coaching change, and now – Anthony Weaver is bringing in his own guys. Like I'm not going to sit here and say uh, in the future, oh Anthony Campanelli, he was uh, you know Sam Madison, all these guys, Ronaldo Hill aren't coming back with the Dolphins. and Now that's a negative on their the rest of their their career. No, it's just now Anthony Weaver's bringing in his own guys. Who he uh, spoke um, uh, vibrantly about all, all his new hires whether it's Joe Barry, Ryan Crow, all these all these coaches, uh, um, Brian uh, Duker, uh, the, the new uh, the new secondary coach. So I mean now. It's a just a new system, a new coach, and then he's going to bring in his guys. So yeah, it's you don't you don't fault a guy. And those those coaches like Mike McDaniel is one of them. I mean, he just spent one year in Cleveland, and then he ends up on the same staff as as Weaver here. Same as with the uh, the new secondary coach Duker. Duker was an intern on that staff. So then you right. build all these different connections. Whereas okay, Flores was just Patriot way the whole time. Philbin came in from the Packers. Um, so. Uh, maybe didn't get a lot of different uh, views of things. And Weaver can use that to his advantage in that being more flexible, going back to this original point, we just came full circle with it, where now he has seen different systems and can utilize them to whatever needs to be done with the personnel, with as uh, injuries occur and different guys are in and out of the lineup, uh, how to best maneuver.
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you there. All right, what else stood out to you in this uh, interview with Weaver?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, the way he presented himself, uh, for sure, uh, you just see uh, why, how important uh, player development is and how he would communicate the same way, probably, to a player that he was speaking to. So, um, yeah, I, I think he's a better fit for uh, just interacting with players uh, of today. Uh, cause he was a player just really, I mean, not that long ago, early 2000s, a, a career that spanned 02 to 08 and then goes into coaching right after. So sort of that, uh, young 40 and then his lower forties age range. Uh, I, I just feel like, yeah, he'd be a nice fit with uh, the players of today. He, he feels like it's not that big of a difference when he played to, um, uh, to what he sees now, uh, where, uh, what was his quote? It was like, uh, uh, oh, yeah, you coach them hard and love them up, and right. and that and the players will respond. Right. So uh, I, I really agree. like like that approach. Those two things are very key. I, I
0: I believe that that kind of approach is huge in football. It is huge in football. There's no doubt. I think that's why Andy Reid gets great reception from his players because he's kind of like that too. You know, like yeah, he's a hard ass and he wants things done right, but at the same time, he's the guy that's gonna keep things a little loose and and communicate with you and talk and be a human being you know what i mean and and he's had a lot of you know stuff go on in his life too personally so he's he's a guy that's developed some patience and understands that he's not that ogre you know neanderthal stereotypical football coach which that just doesn't fly in today's world uh, the other thing by no, the way.
1: Thing. Okay, go ahead and one, one more thing. Another thing that stood out. Um, and now we're gonna overanalyze him just uh, reeling off player names. But uh he started talking about how uh this Dolphins defense, he's talking about the players that he that uh he has to work with, and he goes well, just at every level they have players. He starts naming players, and then he starts with so he's going to the D line, starts with Zach Sealer, hasn't said Christian Wilkins yet, says the edge rushers, Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb then kind of catches himself, and, 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 and I'm assuming a little bit in how he went back to – then he says Christian Wilkins. Okay, so it's interesting. He named I, tell Jackson, you, it. I tell He's you, man. I tell you, man. Come on. He's going Jim, Phillips, Bradley, Chubb. Then he says Christian Wilkins. Uh, then then he goes to inside linebackers, David Long, you know, the off-ball linebacker. He didn't say Jerome Baker, though. Uh, Javon Holland so he gets to the safety and then he says uh Jalen Ramsey as he gets to the corner didn't say Xavier Howard so maybe in that he's hinting now then later he he um uh, cleaned it up and said hey and I know there's guys I'm forgetting I apologize to all of them I mean he's just reeling off player names that come to his head uh, on the spot but uh, maybe it's Christian interesting Christian Wilkins is Howard.
0: Christian Wilkins is one of the most known players in the Miami Dolphins
1: right but yeah but and then so he still did catch him and, and say his name and um and mentioned that you know he loves coaching good players and that he wants that good player back so um and but he ended it with a we'll see so um, he go sort of like, he gone. <laughs> i mean it, it,
0: he's been gone i've been telling people he's been gone for a while bro you, unfortunately, you're going to have to make some tough decisions, and I, I think those are some of them. Uh, you've got to do some things to open up space for Patrick Queen. That's the part you're not understanding, but that's all right. Don't worry about it. Anyway, so uh, yeah, you
1: you. you We're here first.
0: If Patrick Queen ends up on the
1: Dolphins, yeah,
0: you know it's uh, it's just one of those things. Patrick Queen and David Long in the middle. Eh, that's, uh, you know, they kind of, David Long and Patrick Queen kind of play the same kind of mentality. Except Patrick Queen's a better player, but, you know, but still, it's, David Long's. David Long did a nice job last year. I think that's going to be good. And by the way, it doesn't hurt that uh, we, a lot of people live here. He's been a Fort Lauderdale residence uh, since 2009,
1: yeah. huh? Yeah, yeah. That, that was a new nugget uh, a reveal today. Uh, So uh, he said that home that he bought in 2009. His then girlfriend, now wife, helped him pick it out. Uh, But it's not big enough now for his, uh, his for his family. Now he has two kids. So he's actually going to be selling it now that he's living here. In oh, United. he's
0: gonna make a fat ass profit from two thousand nine. holy crap.
1: yeah. Good for man. him, bro. Good. What was him. I doing in oh nine? I should have bought property oh, while well, I was still in college. <laughs> I was early in college. You so should have bought Bitcoin
0: no last year at sixteen thousand. Is what you should have done. That's what you should. Yeah, have done.
1: and you know, I watched that price, and I and I contemplated, and I and I never pulled the trigger. Man, am I regretting it now? <laughs> well,
0: we tried to tell you. I Man, you know, we do that on this show here. We try to tell you things are happening. You know, you don't want to hear that Brian Floyd is going to get fired, but we kind of <laughs> tell you, you know, these are things that just happen. And then, you know, so we warn you. We warn you about Bitcoin. Warn you. I, I gave folks injective protocol who's at like $36 now. I gave you injective protocol in August of 2022 at $1.43. That's two thousand percent rise, my brother, twenty-two hundred to be ex- exact, twenty-two hundred percent. So,
1: All right, Big O, what do you want now? Then, what are you? you let, let me know what I can get into right now.
0: <laughs> you, you uh, if you want for real, if uh, I'm not a financial advisor, I always tell that people first and foremost, okay? I still think polygons at a good price at eighty-eight cents. Oh. I still think Adam at ten twenty-nine is a is a very good bargain. I think H bar at eight cents is a steal. I think uh, the Feds are going to use H bar. The Feds, no matter what people in the government tell you and all that stuff, they're all going to be involved. Crypto, Web three, Bitcoin, um, DeFi—that's all going to be a part of our everyday lives. Is what people don't understand. Um, I still think um, Polkadot at seven seventy is a hell of a deal. I told you about Avalanche when it was at $8 and $10. It's at 41 now, my brother. I told you about Immutable X when it was $0.44. Cents. It's at $3.17. You know, so people that listen to our, my show, they're all making money. They're all making money. This week, uh, we have gotten them with Neutron. We've been talking about Neutron for the last couple of months. And Neutron in the last week is up 68%. You're killing it. We told you about Kryptonite. Kryptonite in the last week, my brother, up fifty percent. So you know it's just uh, up. I, I think Ethereum is still at a beautiful uh, buying zone where it's at right now because it's going to pop to forty-eight hundred very soon. And, okay, yeah, right, I saw and it's been
1: going up. So. It's been going. It's
0: been going up. It's been going up. <laughs> Ethereum right now is in the twenty-eight hundred range. It was at twenty-nine hundred, uh, but it was down, hanging around twenty-four, twenty-five for a while. Uh, when this thing pops. It's gonna to pop to four thousand quickly, so some of you will get close to doubling your money. You'll probably get about about seventy percent value out of that investment. There, uh, I think Ethereum in the end of this bull run ends between seven and ten thousand dollars.
1: Ethereum, uh, a friend of mine uh, gave it to me, and uh, he uh, and then it, it was rising. I bought it kind of high, but then I bought then it dipped, and I bought the dip, uh, and then I was uh, and then it rose back up. Now I sold it uh, because then I was pleased with the profits I made. I just said, "All right, let me get out in case it dips again." But it's only uh, gone up some more since then.
0: Right. Um. Yeah. You should have been listening a year ago, a year and some ago, when it was at nine hundred and a thousand. I was telling everybody. Oh yeah, I bought around that range. Yeah. 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 You'll never get it like you. I told everybody you'll never get it at that range again because the the floor it had before that was in the sixteen seven hundred range. And so it was going to go above that, and it certainly did. It went to 1,900 and 2,000 and kind of hung there for a while. And now it went up to the 23, 2,500 range, and it hung there for a while. Now it's going up closer to 3,000, and we're going to have a pump soon where it's going to go well over 4,000. You'll see. So um, I'm just saying, bro, we, we give them to you. If you take them, go ahead. Good luck to you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah,
1: the the ones that already went up. Then I worry that uh, I missed it. So well, actually,
0: uh, I'll give you. Eh, see, mm-hmm. here you go. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, Sailor, which is called Kryptonite. Uh, it is Sailor. The the acronym for it. Um, it is the D five uh, platform for the Sage blockchain, and it was at fifteen cents. It found the floor at fifteen cents. It went into this dip that we just had, and it went all the way down to four. Okay, I never got to buy it at four cents. I ended up buying it initially, I think it was like nine or 10 cents, and then it went up to 15, so I was making a profit. When it went all the way down, what do you think I did? I loaded absolutely up, all right? Once it, once it went under that nine and hit eight, I started loading up, buying, and buying all the way down to four cents. Now, it's up to 8.4 cents. It was at 10, just a couple of hours ago. Do you think it's gonna get back to 10? Yeah. Do you think it's going to get back to 15? Yeah. Do you think it's going to get past 15? Hell yeah. So if it's going to go back to 15 and it's at 8.4 cents, 4 you got a chance to double your, your money there. Plus, I think it's going to go up even more than that, but I'm just saying, in the short term, it's going to go green. You know what I mean? So there's one that you can look at. I'm definitely at.
1: playing this back later and, and, and comparing it to, and going on Robin Hood and, ch- and checking what I can uh, get into. All
0: you have to do is go on my Twitter page. If you follow my Twitter page. Oh, yeah. I post every time something's on a low. When Pendle was down to $1.34, $1.31, I told everybody you got to jump on it, got to jump on it. It's over $3 now. You know what I mean? So I always tell you when I think, It's going to, hey, this is a bottom. This is a time where you buy because I'm doing the same thing. I'm not doing something that you, uh, I'm not telling you to do something that I'm not doing. You know what I mean? So I kind of look at it the same way. I don't talk about coins that I don't invest in that much. Uh, I may know about some of them and I may like them or not, but I'm not, I don't go heavy into that because I'd rather talk about the stuff that I'm invested in because I know about it thoroughly. You know what I mean? So it's really all about doing, investments are all about doing your homework and understanding yeah. what it's all about. And the problem is most people don't understand crypto, which for me is a beautiful thing because I'm able to take advantage of it. So, it's, it. yeah. It. Yeah, it, it yes. won't be as fun for me when the rest of the world uh lives on the blockchain because the blockchain is you know the blockchain's the new internet. You understand that, right? You understand that? Do you know that at all, David? Uh, I'm not privy to this. Okay, so <laughs> what Cardano? Let me let me give you a little education. What mm-hmm. Cardano and Bitcoin, and Polygon, and Ethereum, and all that, what they are, are cities, okay? The blockchain is a highway, the internet, that is going to connect all of these things. And so a okay. Park will be on Cardano. Uh, um, what's it called? Amazon is already on Avalanche. So everybody's going to the blockchain. Why? Because it's the secured internet. It's where you can actually protect your business, protect your rights, protect your logo, protect your music, all of that kind of stuff. Everything can be protected on the blockchain. And so it's the new internet. And it's, it's, it's like credit cards. They laughed at credit cards. Go, go on YouTube and go find an old video of somebody laughing at credit Oh, these things will never work. Oh, the internet, it's a joke. Now you make your life on the internet. What people don't realize is that the blockchain is the new internet. And all of these companies that are being built, Avalanche and Cosmos and all that, these are the things that are gonna house all these businesses. So where you make your FPNL payment, it's going to be on one of these blocks that are there. And that's what what crypto is, what people don't understand. They just look at meme coins and all the stupid shit. They don't actually understand the real world usage that's actually being put in place for all of this stuff. But they will understand in the next two to four, five years, where mass adoption takes over, and everybody tokenizes everything that they do, because that's the way we're going. So
1: yeah, I'll admit I, I was in on that Dogecoin, and and then just loved how it shot up, and then and then sold that, got a, got a little profit. Yeah, also, there, there, there's there's
0: that. Doge now, and there's yeah. believe it or not, there's one called Cocking You. There's one called uh, Kulo. There's, uh, no, serious, seriously, serious. Uh, there's, uh, there's all kinds of meme coins. I, I don't get into the meme coins because it's not a real investment. That's, that's a real gamble. Yeah. That's a real gamble. Whereas uh, when I look at VChain and they're up 40% today, Uh, When I look at VeChain, I know exactly what the real-world usage is and what companies are tied to them. Oh, Range Rover is with them. Oh, that's interesting. Louis Vuitton is with them. Oh, Purdue Chicken, Walmart, Amazon. Oh, really interesting. They're all using VeChain. Oh, I wonder why. And so VeChain runs a program that is for inventory control. And they created it for China in the first place because a lot of their food is getting rotten because there's so many people in China and there's so much food being moved around. Sometimes they don't know where they put the crates. And by the time they go back to the crates, all the food was rotten and done. So what they're doing now is everything's being tagged by this thing that allows them to track everything from where it was created to where it's distributed to where it is sold. And when you buy your Louis Vuitton bag, VeChain will allow you to search your bag, how it came out of the, out of the factory to the distributor, right to your d- retailer and into your, and into your hands. And these are the things that people don't understand because they have not taken the time to actually find out what crypto is, what the blockchain is, what DeFi is, what even Bitcoin is. And that's our problem. We have a ton of ignorance right now. And until we get over that hump, Everybody will look at the internet like it's side-eyed. You're, you're too young for this, but back then, bro, people were looking at the internet like, oh, yeah, that's a joke. That'll never last, this, that, whatever. And here we are. So, you know, it's just kind of the same stuff. That's yeah. all, 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 I, all, I, all, I, all I ever ask people is do your homework, study. The, the, the person I can't stand is the moron that looks at me and says, oh, it's a scam. Okay, so tell me why it's a scam. Oh, I just heard it's a scam. Okay, great. <laughs> get out of here. You know what I mean? And so, you know, it's just, it's kind of sad because what I don't like is there's a lot of people out there that could be making a lot of money from this and they could be a part of something brand new. And once it, it really takes over, that's when regret takes over. That's when, when Bitcoin hits 75 and 80, that's when the, the FOMO begins and, oh my God, I got to get in now. You didn't want to get in at 16 or 20?
1: Yeah, right. you missed it now. You, now you're buying high.
0: Now you're buying high, you know? Low,
1: low, low so high. That, that, that's the one thing I know, that, for sure. Right, you buy oh, high, you
0: panic, you get a dip, and you end up losing money because you like oh, yeah, not sell yeah. it.
1: You know. I'm not that kind of investor. I, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I, I got in. This is my fourth year. When I got in, it was the back end of the last cycle. I didn't know what I was doing because I had just gotten in. And so then I had to kind of learn and find my feet and my and my grounding here and understand what's going on and why why what 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 is this what is that what 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 usage does this have who is partnering with this what companies are involved you know and then when you start to find out about all of this and then you, the the people with money the people with power are the ones that are doing this come on bro that's all you need to know
1: right. <laughs> you know. So, by the way, uh, yeah, I I love this tangent that we went on. We could call it the Walton Realm Order in the Courts uh, <laughs> segment here in our Dolphins. <laughs>
0: yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. All right, what do you got going on in the Sentinel, so folks can check
1: you out? Yeah, I just uh, posted uh, a lot of what we talked about with Anthony Weaver, and last couple of days, uh, I finally put up a. a I feature on Anthony Schwartz, a uh, South Florida kid who's signed on a futures contract. So uh, Speedster has been with the Browns and was on the practice squad last year. We'll get a chance to make the team. Also analyze whether uh, Chase Claypool or Robbie Chosen, uh, what their prospects are in a Dolphins wide receiver room that will have uh, some spots open with a lot of free agents and and more Anthony Weaver content uh, to come.
0: Okay. All right. Good stuff. Follow him on Twitter, David Faronis underscore. Appreciate you, my brother. We will uh, talk uh, next weekend. Have a next week. Have a great
1: weekend. Great weekend, sir. Thank you.
0: Welt and Realm Bankruptcy, homeowner property damage, condo damage, criminal defense, personal injury, commercial litigation, business owner claims. WRFLALaw.com is the website. They can help anybody here in South Florida. Even in Florida, it doesn't matter. One of our listeners in Orlando called him. Listen, call Jeff Welt. The consultation's free. So you don't know if you have a case. You think you have a case. You might have a case. You have an idea of it. Well, ask the professional. I'm not the guy. I'm not the lawyer. I can't answer that, but Jeff can. Jeff is fantastic. And by the way, his crypto bags are growing. 954-966-4646. I told Jeff Welt he needs a weight belt for those crypto bags. That's how heavy they're getting. It's like Brooklyn Rob. Brooklyn Rob, is, his, his crypto bags are so heavy, he's got two people carrying them now. At this point, it's amazing. No, but seriously, call Jeff Welt, Daniel Raylm, 954 966 4646. One guy's a stunt pilot, the other guy loves his rock and roll. That's why I love Jeff because he and I talk a lot of music too. 954 966 4646. By the way, he's a longtime suffering Dolphins and Hurricanes fan. Okay? So, Welt and Raylm.